don't know about you, but going to the gas station these past few months has brought a lot of stress. Can you relate? But I have good news. I filled up the other day. I did it for $22.50. I thought I made a really good deal. I'm full. I mean, that is my lawnmower. Okay, one more. So a young couple, deeply in love, slow dancing together. They pulled closer together, and she rested her head on his shoulder and began to smell his neck. He said, hmm, wow, that that's really smells very good and expensive. And she said to him, what is it? And he said, well, it's gasoline. <laughs> stress. May I ask you, what are some things that stress you out? What stresses you out? Work. What else stresses you out? Anyone else? What stresses you out? What brings stress to you? According to realbuzz.com, I'll give yourself one point each. This is what brings stress to us Americans. Too many responsibilities, 54%. Now, if this applies to you, give yourself a point. Finances, 53%. Problems at work, 53%. Health problems, 38%. Family members, health issues, 37%. Family problems, 32%. And I don't look like how I look. So you give your point for each of these. According to university hospitals, these are top five stressful events in a person's life. And if this applies to you, give yourself two points. The death of a loved one, I'm talking about the past year. Give yourself two points. Divorce. Moving. Major illness, health problem. I'm talking about you, yourself. I have that, whoever. And finally, job loss. So we go back here. Roll back through those. Those, one point. These here, two points. Don't tell me how many points. Don't say it out loud. Sort of my own little indicator. What's your score? If you have three points, you have your hands full. If you have five plus points, you're dealing with what? So where are you at? Dealing with the lost stress. Most of us, we all have stress. I don't know about you, but for the first page, two or three applied to me, and one or two applied on the next page. I'm easily over five points. Now, in John's Gospel, Jesus speaks about spiritual stressors, things that bring us trial and tribulations. The world despises Jesus. How can Jesus be the way, the truth, and the life? Jesus claims to be exclusive. The world despises Jesus. Jesus said, they hate you because they hated me first. The world despises peace, inner peace. Just look at the world. Look at Ukraine. The world despises disciples. How can you follow that? And the world despises. The world doesn't receive truth. It goes by lies about life, about sexuality, about truth in general. So Jesus speaks about these, how the world despises this, and these are as well spiritual stressors. And so we come to the familiar narrative of Jesus being called to a brother, a dead brother's tombstone. And the sisters there are weeping. So Jesus called. He heard of Lazarus' death, and Jesus came to the tomb. Does anybody remember what Jesus did? It's only two words. When Jesus realized that his friend Lazarus was dead, the Bible says Jesus did what? Jesus, he wept. Shortest Bible verse in all Scripture, Jesus wept. He he understood stress, and this is a very stressful situation. The Pharisees were there who despised Jesus, despised truth, despised disciples. There's a death of a loved one here. There's all sorts of financial difficulties with Lazarus dying. 
It's a very stressful thing. And so Jesus said this. Can you all read John eleven forty three with me? Lazarus, a skeptic, a cynic, a mocker of Christianity said, how foolish. Why did Jesus need to say, Lazarus, come out? If he really was Jesus, why did Jesus need to say the words? Why didn't Jesus just say, come out? Because if Jesus had just come out, then who would have come out? Everyone. And so Jesus here overcomes stress. He brings that what is death to life. He brings peace in front of a hostile audience. He shows truth to his disciples and to us. He overcomes stress. And so Jesus says this, take heart, I have overcome. In other words, I had conquered the world. So you and I in our stress, one day it'll end. We are forgiven, redeemed, and we'll have eternal life. Having a mind sometimes on evenings to rest, I'll watch old ball games or even old movies. Do you know why? I like it because guess what? I know the final score. There's no what? No stress. I know how it ends. I know the last play. I know the final score. There's no stress. So are you and I believers in Jesus? We are promised. Jesus said, I have overcome. I had conquered the world. I am conquering. Had conquered the world. No matter what we're going through, we're promised final victory. Jesus is there with us in peace. So God's in the midst of his people. He promises that. Friends in Christ, I ask people, where is God? And the typical answer most people give me, if I asked you, where is God? Most of you say, well, God is everywhere. He's all around us. He's here now. He's all around us. God's everywhere. Well, that's true. God's omnipresent. But there's one better. God is where he promises to be. God is in his word. He's in his baptism promises to us, for us who have been baptized. And he's in the Lord's Supper. He promises us his body and blood. That's where God is present. Yeah, it's very nice to know that God's everywhere. But it's even better to know that God is present in his word, in baptism promises, and in the Lord's Supper. Somebody once said, I wish God would speak to me. He does. Open up the Bible and read it. No, I want God to speak to me out loud. Well, then read the Bible what? You want God to speak to you out loud? Open up the Bible and read it. He'll speak to you. That is where God is present. God's, and by the way, God also ministers through his church. For every Sunday we come here, we confess, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, and the what? God is present with us in the fellowship of believers, in the communion. Notice just not with the saints, in the communion with saints. God is with us. We'll hear more about that later. Talk about ways to distress. Real Buzz says this. Well, Jesus says it, of course. Can you read the Bible verse with me? Jesus says... And today we pray for a young man who's going to an impoverished country. And two other of our members are going to other mission places later this summer. In my previous church, we adopted a village in Uganda. And friends in Christ, there are villages and there are children who spend all day with yokes, carrying five-gallon buckets of water. They make six, seven trips a day, two, three miles to a watering hole or a river and come back to their village or come back to their family. Your family has no water, nothing to bathe, nothing to cook, nothing to drink, nothing to wash. And they carry yokes all day walking back and forth until someone comes along and maybe builds their village a well. That yoke is heavy. Or think about oxen and the yoke they pull. So Jesus says, take my what? Yoke, it's light and easy. Anyone know what we call this? This is a what? 
It's a stole. Pastor wears it for two reasons. First of all, it's symbolic. In Roman society, senators, when they gathered, the person who talks would grab the stole and put it on. It meant that they could speak in Roman assemblies, in government official assemblies. So God speaks to us. The reason I wear this stole also is it's light. It reminds us of who? Jesus says, take my what? Yoke. It's light and easy. For I bring peace. I bring the water and bread of life. I myself, present in the word, in baptism, the Lord's Supper, take my yoke. It is light and it is easy. So Jesus, let me come back to this one. Jesus brings us his blessing of Jesus himself, peace, the fellowship of disciples, and truth itself. I want to talk about biblical distressors. So if you want to stress out, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, first of all, learn how to manage life. Talk to someone. Read stewardship. You ever read Dave Ramsey? So couples that are married, they're asked to read Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Why? Because they'll tell them how to manage money. Money's a major stressor. See, Jesus talks a lot about money. He doesn't talk necessarily about giving money, but he talks about managing money. Read books about managing life. It'll help you out greatly. Learn how to manage life stewardship. Recharge your batteries. Or what I mean by that, rest and relax. Two weeks ago, the administrative staff, we went to a one-day conference at Camp Luther Haven in Indiana. We heard about rest and relaxation. How many hours in a week? 168. At the conference, we heard we're to rest 84 hours, half of those. Are you getting six to nine, sorry, seven to nine hours of sleep a night? Need to do that? So let's say you rest, what, eight times seven, 56. That still gives you, what, 24 hours to rest? Do something you enjoy doing. Read a book. Take some time to rest, to recharge. Read a devotional. Rest and recharge. Rest and relax. Remember, God made the world in six days, and the seventh day, he what? Rest is a major problem. We think if we rest that we're lazy. Actually, we're not. God made us and designed us that we rest and relax. That's a distressor, to be able to relax and rest. Learn boundaries. It's okay to say no to a person. It's okay to cut back. It's okay to say, this is what I'm going to do and no more. When we say, this is what I'm doing no more, it forces other people to set boundaries as well. This is what I can do. I can do no more. Learn boundaries. Boundaries are very beneficial. What else to deal with the truth? Jesus says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Sometimes the truth is hard. But deal with the truth. Accept and learn the truth. It's a way of distress. Not living in an imaginary world, but dealing with truth no matter how hard it is. It's a way to deal with stress. And finally, I'm sure you all heard the serenity prayer. God, grant me this serenity to what? Accept the things I can change and learn to deal with things that I can't change, right? These are way, biblical ways to distress, set boundaries, learn to manage what God has given to us, accept the truth and rest and relax. Those are distressors. Now, I'm shifting gears here because I think it fits in. Jesus says, I've overcome the world. And so Jesus gives a community of saints. And so we, had, we established a long-range planning ministry. We met from last March to January this year. Members from every ministry, young, old, youth, adults from the church, from the school. And we had a long-range planning committee. And we came up with four aims and thrusts, okay? Because so I want to share them with you. All right? And these aren't necessarily order, but these are four mains and thrusts, thrusts and goals that the long-range planning. And some of you out there were part of it. 
First one is small group ministry. Matter of fact, this received the most votes. So you said that you appreciate small group ministry. And I'm not just talking about small group Bible study, but doing things together in your small groups. That you said that was a strength of this church. That's something we want to continue. Small group Bible studies and small group opportunities to get to know each other. The next thrust was younger families. Now tell me the truth. I said at 5.30, I said at 8. Are we a younger church or older church? Say it. It took you about as long to get that out as it did at 8 o'clock and 5.30. We're an older congregation. Most American congregations are older. It doesn't mean it have to be that way. So from December to January, I sort of did my own polling, my own information and research. Last December, last January, for 10 Sundays, I counted. I counted how many children I blessed at the communion rail every weekend. And I went back to my office after 11 o'clock service, and I wrote it down on my calendar. I'm telling you how many children, not adults, how many children I blessed at the communion rail. Can anyone tell me the average number of children weekly that came to the communion rail to be blessed during our worship services? Give me a number. What do you think? I heard 12. Five. I got 20 to 25. That means 20 to 25 over 300 worshipers are under the age of 12 or 13. Is that a concern? Let me take you two, three, four generations. Let me take you two, three, four decades into the future. That's a concern. Younger families. So we're calling this afternoon associate pastor to minister to who? Younger families. Younger families. The next thrust was our school. Reaching out to those in the community, reaching out to those in our congregation. But the school was an important ministry. That's a thrust. And the final one is outreach into the community. Just not doing things for us, but doing things for others. Have you seen the church sign? The church sign is there for who? Everybody. Now you get to see it. It draws your attention. Outreach. Month, we have month, this, this ministry has monthly meetings. We have subgroups. We have leaders. And this is a marathon. We're the tortoise. We're not talking um, one, three, one or three years. We're talking five, ten, fifteen years. Somebody put a meme on Facebook this past week and said this, where you are today is a result of what you did to plan five years ago. Let me say it again. Where I am today is a direct result of what I did what? Plan five years to be. So we see this as a marathon. There's intersection. The more younger families, more younger families into our school. The more the school brings younger families in, younger families into the church. There's an intersection here. The more we outreach in the community, the more younger families see that we care, more children in school. The more small group ministry grows. Maybe young families come in, we expose them to, to, um, to our school. Everything here is an intersection. It all works to and for each other. They feed each other. Small group, younger family, school ministry, outreach into the community. They all what? Feed together. I heard this about 15 years ago, and I'll say it to you. It's sort of harsh. It's truthful. Maybe not so harsh. If St. John Lutheran Church would close, would the community miss us? If St. John Lutheran Church would close, would our community miss us? And hopefully the answer is yes, and hopefully what we do would be a big yes. They know that we're not here because of what we did. Okay? These four, small groups, younger family, school, outreach, they all fit and mesh together. They are all needed intersection there. So I'd like to share with you some pictures of this past weekend, just seven days ago. You can see small groups. You can see 
younger families. You can see school and you can see outreach. So last, uh, the first picture is a school chapel. I think kindergartens did that. Then you can see last week was Servant Day. We had about 40 to 50 people there as part of 419 ministry. You see the Servant Day there, various people went to six different places. And then last week also the school sang at Saturday and they had a picnic. Younger families, small group, our school, and outreach into the community. Jesus says, take heart, I have overcome the world. And through our church we proclaim that. Through our church we proclaim Jesus overcome the world. We bring people into the light and life of Jesus. Can you read this verse with me? I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And in peace all God... Oh, well, closing thought. Sorry. Read it with me. For in Christ we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life nor death nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can keep us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And all God's people say, Amen.